last week I set up this kind of whole idea of really what religion is and kind of what it's not. And so this week I want to dive right into really what did Jesus come to do? Because that is the greater question. A lot of times people subscribe to these standards of this is what I got to do and I got to follow all the rules to get to Jesus and to have a relationship with Jesus. And last week we just kind of set it up with three points. We said this. Number one, we said religion makes God the boss and you the employee, but Jesus makes God the father and you the son, meaning this. If we ascribe to religion is how I get to God, then I just got to follow all the rules. I just got to work hard. I got to stay in line. And hopefully I don't break any so I don't get kicked out of the family, right? But if any of you are parents in here, you know this. Your kids blow it a lot, right? And you continuously give them grace over and over and over again. Why? Because they're, they're, you're, they're, you're their son or they're your daughter and you love them no matter what they do. And this is what Jesus says. Listen, whatever you've done, whatever kind of uh, things that you've committed where you think it's just unforgivable, I want to love you anyway. That's who Jesus is. Then we talked about religion grades righteousness on a curve, but Jesus grades righteousness on a cross. Meaning this, religion says, listen, you're not that bad. Just compare yourself to the people around you, right? It's really easy to find somebody worse than you, isn't it? Right? So if you're grading how well you're doing relationally in your standard with Christ based on your neighbor or a coworker, it's always easy to find somebody worse than you. But when we understand who Jesus is, everybody looks strikingly similar, don't they? Jesus doesn't grade on a curve. He doesn't say, compare yourself to these people and make yourself feel better or make yourself feel worse. He says, listen, we're all sinners. We all fall short and we all need a savior. And then the third thing we covered is religion is outside in and Jesus is inside out. So religion says, hey, you know what? You got to keep up appearances. It's what people say about you. It's what they think about you. It's all these things. But Jesus says, you know what? I don't care about appearances whatsoever. And we see this all throughout the Gospels, right? So Jesus is hanging out with tax collectors. He's hanging out with prostitutes. I set it up yesterday. Some of us would be confused because Jesus would probably be driving across this street in an Escalade, waving with the music bumping. And you're going, what? Is that Jesus? Yeah, that's Jesus, right? So Jesus cares about what's on the inside rather than the facade, rather than the thing that we try to create. So today I want to talk about the good news. What did Jesus come to do? Ultimately, he came to give us good news, which is the gospel. And I think a lot of us, we hear that word in church growing up, right? That that the gospel is good news, but I don't think a lot of us really know it. Like deep within our hearts, we haven't really experienced the good news of the gospel. So today, I want to start off with a quote. It's going to be on the screen, so you can read it along with me from one of my favorite kind of pastors, theologians. He was a guy from Germany who ended up, Hitler ended up actually assassinating him and killing him. Um, but incredible. If you ever have a chance to read any of his stuff, I highly recommend you do it. It's, this is a quote from a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and it says this. Many Christians are unthinkably horrified when a real sinner is suddenly discovered among the righteous. So we remain alone with our sin, living in lies and hypocrisy. Let me stop there. This is what religion is. So you just keep covering up You just keep hiding. You just keep doing your thing. You just keep faking it until you make it and hope that you're okay. But this is who Jesus is. The fact is that we are sinners. 
But it is the grace of the gospel which is so hard for the religious to understand that it confronts us with the truth and says, you are a sinner, a great desperate sinner. Now come as the sinner that you are to God who loves you. He wants you as you are. He does not want anything from you, a sacrifice, a work. He wants you alone. And then he finishes the quote from Proverbs 23, 26 by saying, My son, give me your heart. My son, give me your heart. And that's what I believe that Jesus wants to say to many of us today. Listen, I don't care where you're at. I don't care what kind of burdens you're carrying, what kind of loads you're, you're trucking around. My son, come to me and give me your heart this morning, regardless of what, you've gone, what you have going on. The problem with religion is this. God, I'll give you my heart when I've cleaned everything up. God, I'll give you my heart when I get my life right. Or God, I'll walk in the doors of church and I'll make things right when I can make things right first. And this is the problem with religion. So I want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And this is going to kind of be our theme verse. If you have a Bible with me this morning, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. If you don't, it's going to be right on the screens. Also, if you don't know about this, Everybody today has a smartphone, right? So if you download an app called YouVersion, you can literally download that, and it's a free Bible, and you can follow along. It's super easy to do. I actually read my Bible every single morning on my phone, and especially with the day and culture that we live in. Everybody's on their phone anyway, so you might as well have a good excuse to be on it, right? (laughs) So this is 2 Corinthians 3.18. So all of us who who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. So let's pause there. For those of us that have had the veil removed, he's saying this, for those of us that have experienced and come face to face with Jesus and have received salvation, and it's like the blinders have been taken off of us, and now we see clearly for the first time. So he's talking to you. So my hope is today that we would understand that Jesus is going to transform us and there is nothing that works-based religion is going to do for us. If the veil is going to be removed, if the blinders is going to be stripped away from our eyes, then we have to rest in the fact that Jesus is the only, way that, the only person that's going to be able to do that. And there's no systematic approach to be able to get there to do that. Ultimately, at the end of the day, we need an encounter with Jesus. So the question still remains, what did Jesus come to do? What did Jesus come to do? He not only came to give us good news, but he also came to transform our lives. Like, I don't know if some of you realize this this morning, like, Jesus wants to have an impact on your marriage. Jesus wants to have an impact on your finances. Jesus wants to have an impact on the way that you operate and handle yourself within your workplace. Jesus wants to transform and change everything about your life. He does not just want to change what you do on a Sunday morning after you go eat barbecue chicken, right? He wants to come in and he wants to transform the landscape of your life. And for so long, especially, I've grown up in South Louisiana almost my entire life, and I've seen it over and over and over again. So many people ascribe to Christianity and Jesus is what I do on Sunday morning. Check the list off, God's pleased with me, God's happy with me, and then you go home, and you hang out with your family, and you have lunch, and do all those things, and then you go in Monday morning to work, and nothing changes. 
and you and your wife are still at odds with each other and you're still trying to figure it out to do with your kids and your finances are still a wreck, here's the deal. Jesus wants to transform every component of your life. And here's what religion says. Just keep working, just keep trying, just keep doing your best, just keep cleaning yourself up. And Jesus says, listen, I'm not interested in any of that. I want to grab a hold of your heart because if I can grab a hold of your heart, everything else will change. Everything else will change. So here's the question that we've got to answer. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? And I know many of you probably know what it is, but let's assume that there are some people in here that honestly maybe they're in here for the first time and they don't know what that is. Because I find in church a lot of times we get really, really good at just saying words and assuming everybody knows what it is. You know, and you've probably heard a word for a long time going, yeah, I know what that is, but you really don't know what it is. So what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. It's the good news that Jesus came to die for sinners like you and me. It's the greatest news on the face of the earth that there was nothing that you could do to earn it. There was nothing that you could do to work to achieve it that God sent his one and only son for you right now. And listen, you got to get this. We talked about this last week. God did not send his one and only son, Jesus, to the cross to die for some future version of you. He died for the you right now. Like the struggles that you bear and carry right now. That's the person that he wants to save right now. So, let's keep moving. Above all, the gospel is this, that Jesus says, you know what, I don't want to just have some kind of rules to get to me. I want to know you. I want to have conversation with you. I want to talk with you. I want to have a relationship with you. See, religion wants good behavior. Jesus wants your heart. Religion wants good behavior. Religion wants you to just fall into line and be a good boy, be a good girl, be a good husband, be a good father. And listen, all these things are noble things. These are all things that we want to be, right? But the truth is you can't be any of them until you have a radical transformation encounter with Jesus. And the truth is if you're trying to do it on your own by ascribing to some religious system, it gets exhausting. It's why the self-help books sell out and they keep selling because you buy one and then you realize it doesn't work so you need to buy another one. (laughs) And then you buy another one and it's just like this unending cycle. And you become so frustrated like why isn't it working? Why don't I have five minute abs? Well, the truth is some of you need longer than five minutes to get those five minute abs, okay? (laughs) Why don't I get it? Why? Because we want quick solutions. We want something to happen right now. And here's the truth. The great reformer Martin Luther said it this way. As sinners, we are are prone to pursue a relationship with God one of two ways. Now watch this. The first is religion and the second is the gospel. And the two are opposites in every way. The two are opposites in every way. In every way. Actually, Paul says it this way. Paul says that the gospel is the most important thing. He says it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 3. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Listen, being passed on by the disciples, the apostles, and Jesus. This is what he says. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead. And on the third day, just as the scriptures said. So he's saying, listen... All I'm passing on to you and all I want you to remember and all I want you to take heart with is the gospel. I'm not giving you 10 ways to get there. I just want you to remember that Jesus came, died for you. 
and that he loves you and he pursues you and he wants to have a relationship with you and you can rest in that. So what does the gospel do? Once we hear this good news, there's three things that happen. The first one is salvation, right? So some of us come in and we hear this good news and we say, you know what, I want that. And so we, we put our hope and we put our trust and we put our belief in Jesus and he saves us in that moment. And in that moment, we're justified. In that moment, God says, you know what, all of your sin, all of your shame, I give you a fresh start. Now here's the problem. This is where many people get tied up, okay? So salvation happens, but then there is this process called sanctification. So sanctification is the rest of your life. Meaning this, in one instance, God saves you. Jesus saves you. He says, you know what? Son, daughter, forgiven. But then for the rest of your life, he's going to make you more and more like himself. And this is where we get stuck because all of a sudden, because our culture tells us when you buy into something, you need immediate results, right? And so we get frustrated. Hey, I tried this Jesus thing. I tried this church thing. I tried this whole relationship with Jesus thing, and it's not working. But you gotta, t- you got to push the pause button for a second and realize Jesus wants progress, not perfection. He wants you just to keep moving forward. And sometimes, listen, you get immediate results with things, and it happens quickly, and sometimes it doesn't. I've shared this story before, but when a little kid, I grew up with my dad preaching in churches all over the place, and my dad would share his story of how he came to know Jesus, which is an incredible story. But I always sat in the, in the pew or whatever, just highly discouraged and disappointed in his story. And I'll tell you why. Not because it wasn't a great story, because it never happened like that for me. It wasn't like all of a sudden I just ran into Jesus, and then I just gave up all of my sinful behaviors, I was like, man, I've grown up in church my whole life. Am I saved? Like, I've, I've given my life to Jesus at every church camp that I can imagine. <laughs> every time the preacher talks about hell, I'm raising my hand. And just to, just to make sure I'm good every Sunday, I raise, like, and we do this. I see some of you in here. You, you're raising your hand like the 10th time. Like, just, just to check. <laughs> just to check. <laughs> Listen. And we, we, ultimately, we make salvation not about a moment that has happened and Jesus saving us. We make it about a ceremony. Did I cry enough? Was I repentant enough? Did I do enough? And ultimately, it comes back, this is religion. This is works. Did I work hard enough to achieve my salvation? When we fail to realize, no, it's, sanctification is in play here. God is going to make you more and more like himself every single day. Because if he just dropped all your problems on you at one time and said, rid all these, he would crush you. (laughs) So salvation, sanctification, and there's another fancy theological term called glorification that happens. And this is when you are finally set free of every wrong. You are finally pure and clean. And you're finally with Jesus, and you will sin no more. But you know what that also is called? It's just a theological term that says you're dead. (laughs) You're dead, and you're with Jesus. You're dead. And so here's the deal. So many of us tie ourselves up in trying to be perfect right now, and the only way that you're going to get there is by living a life that looks more and more like Jesus every single day. And the way you get perfect is by dying and being with Jesus. It's by dying and being with Jesus. And so many of us are so hard on ourselves of like, and we rob ourselves of joy. 
Man, you're at salvation. Like God saved you. He forgave you. You're stuck at sanctification. You're stuck at realizing that, listen, it's a process. And God loves you so much that he wants to make it a process. Because if he dropped it all on you at one time, you couldn't handle it. So, what does the gospel actually do for us once we receive salvation? Number one, it forgives us. It forgives us. The gospel, Jesus forgives us. Now, listen. I know some of you, when you hear that word, you're like, yeah, I get it, but not me. Like, Jesus forgives other people, but Jesus doesn't really understand what I've gone through and what I've done. Okay, wrap this around your head for a second. Jesus is hanging on a cross, and everybody is shouting at him, crucify him, kill him. And Jesus replies, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. (laughs) Do you think for one moment anything that you have ever done is too big for God in light of what I just told you? People are yelling at him, kill him, the son of God, hanging on a cross, and he still utters these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So listen, there is absolutely nothing that you have ever done where God goes, yep, unforgivable, unforgivable. He hung on a tree, and he still forgave everyone shouting at him. So today, I think God wants to say to some of us, I forgive you. I forgive you. But see, the trouble with religion is saying, you know what? God doesn't forgive you yet. He doesn't forgive you yet. You still got to work. You still got to earn it. You didn't read your Bible enough. You didn't worship enough. You didn't pray enough. You weren't open enough. You weren't transparent enough. But the most beautiful thing about full forgiveness is, listen, God doesn't know how to offer partial forgiveness. He only knows how to offer full forgiveness. So when he says, I forgive you, it is like completely forgiven. It's not partial. And I'll be honest with you. And my wife knows this. I have greatly struggled with this. I'm just being transparent with you this morning. I have greatly struggled with this. I am such a perfectionist to a default sometimes. So like when I fail and I screw up, I go into this mode where I'm just like, I'm worthless, I made a mistake, failed. And I sit in it for days. And I feel like I gotta kind of balance the scales, right? So I did this bad thing and I'm gonna do this many good things to make up for it. And listen, when I do that, this is what I tell Jesus. The sacrifice that you made on the cross is not enough for me, so I need to add some to the scales. I need to work a little harder. I need to do a little more because what you did is not enough. And listen, remember we talked about this last week. You at your best, your righteousness, all of your good deeds, even if you're trying to balance the scales a little bit. Jesus, or Isaiah says it this way, All of your good deeds are but filthy rags to me. Like what you've got to learn to do is accept and walk in that Jesus freely and fully forgives you. No matter what you've done. And some of us have a really hard time receiving this process, right? 
it's almost like we feel like we owe God something for sinning. And the truth is, get this this morning, the truth is you can't pay for something that's already been paid for. You can't. It's like you ever been in a restaurant and you're sitting down eating and somebody picks up your check and you go to pay and you're like, hey, somebody already paid for it. And you're like, what? Do you ever go like, you know what, but let me just double pay? <laughs> you don't do that, right? You're like, school, yes, thank you for whoever did that. You freely take it. And this is what we do a lot of times with our sin. God, I know you paid for it, but I need to pay for it again. God, I know you paid for it. I know you freely forgave me for it. But God, let me do my part. Let me pay some more. And this is what religion does at its best. Keep trying. Keep going. I know God paid for something, but he doesn't accept you right now. You need to pay a little bit more. Religion says you have to live right to be forgiven as if you could earn it. If that was the case, then Christ did not have to die. We would just need to work harder. Receive his forgiveness and learn how to live forgiven and you'll live a much better life. (laughs) You'll live a much freer life. Number two, the gospel, it makes us new. This is the best news in the world. The gospel makes us new. Here's the deal. The gospel doesn't make us better. It makes us new. Religion wants to make you better. Jesus wants to make you new. Religion wants to make a better version of you, like you (laughs) 2.0. The gospel says the old you is dead, it's gone, let's make a new you. Because the old you has been washed and cleansed in Christ, and there's nothing good in that life anymore, and so let's make a completely new you. I don't want to make a better you. I don't want a better version of you. I want to completely make you new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, so if you have received salvation, you have become what? A new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. So Paul uses the words has begun and he uses these words almost as past tense in the scriptures. Meaning that when we gave ourselves to Christ, in that moment, we became new. So here's what the gospel says. As soon as salvation, the miracle of salvation took place in your life, in your heart, you were made new. There was nothing that you did, nothing that you earned, nothing that you could do. In that moment of salvation, Christ looked down on you and said, clothe him in my righteousness. Clothe him in my goodness. The sacrifice, the penalty, the debt that I paid on the cross is instantly applied to that person. He states the old life is nowhere to be found and if you're still hanging on to it, it's only because you want to. It's only because you want to. And here's the deal. Many of you are still hanging on to the old life even though you've received the miracle of of salvation because you're clinging on to religion. Listen, some of the bags that you're carrying is not because you have to. It's literally because you want to. And here's the hardest thing about the gospel sometimes. Actually, Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it this way. He said, the hardest thing that people have is just believing the gospel, that it's that simple. That it's that simple. 
So I'm sitting here telling you this morning, the gospel is this. Christ died for you. You accept it. You're made new. That's it. That's it. But yet all throughout history and all throughout church and especially where we live, we have complicated it so much. Well, you're not saved because, I mean, I don't know. Did you say the right words? Did you get baptized on the third day? I mean, if you didn't get baptized on the third day, it wasn't, it wasn't the real deal. Did you do it in Jesus' name? Like, we have all these stipulations and Paul even says it like anyone who belongs to Christ, once you've received salvation, you're a new creation. New creation. So this implies that when we receive the good news and when gospel applies to our life, that God wants not only for us to stay stuck at salvation, but he wants sanctification to play out and he wants you to begin to change and grow and develop into a completely new person. But the problem is religion wants to keep you stuck at the starting line. Religion wants to say, receive salvation, and then stop there. Because if you can stop there, then the enemy can rob you of all joy. Listen, if Satan can't take your salvation away from you, he will take your joy away from you. He will. That's what he's after. Man, if if God has already saved them, you know what? I'm going to rob them as much as I can of their joy. Let, Let me put it to you this way. There is nothing more frustrating to me <laughs> than starting something and not seeing progress. This is why, I'll be honest with you, this is why I can't work out. <laughs> this is why I, I, I go as hard as I can for like a week. And then I'm like, what is up? <laughs> Where are the muscles? <laughs> and I'm like, I quit. And my wife will tell you this. I will go as hard as I can for a month. I will run, and then all of a sudden it's like, nah, I'm done with that. I don't see any progress. My wife's like, but well, baby, it's not about what you see. It's about the inside. It's about your lungs. Like, woman, I want muscles. I don't want healthy lungs. I want to live in my vanity for a moment. So we start this thing, and we go on And we stop because we don't see any results. But here's the truth. Even though how silly that example may be, this is where many of us are at. You come in here and you experience Jesus in a church. You get saved. You walk out these doors. And then what happens? You deal with the same problems. And you still go to work with the same people. (laughs) And you go back to the same house. And you got to deal with the same issues. And so you say, well, you know what? Everything in my life didn't just change. But you've got to realize in that moment, God's changing you. And there is this process of sanctification that begins to play out. And even if you don't see immediate results, it does not mean that God is working in you. It doesn't mean that. This is why I find so much comfort in a man who spent three years of his life with Jesus. Peter. And then the night before Jesus is crucified, this dude gets so mad, he chops somebody's ear off. I'm like, my boy. (laughs) Right? He was still working. Okay, not only does he chop somebody's ear off, Jesus is dying on a cross, and he denies him three more times. There is this process that is playing out. And listen, some of us are holding ourselves to a standard that not even the apostles or the disciples could ever live up to. 
The standard is so high, you are bound to fail. You're holding yourself to a standard that Jesus doesn't even hold you to. I said this last week. Any religion that makes you holier than Jesus is just wrong. It's just wrong. And some of us are raising the bar so high, and God's saying, listen, I just, I just want you to know me. I just want you to have a relationship with me. Because if you can get that down, then listen, all the things that you need to do, it'll flesh itself out. It'll work itself out. And here's what religion does. It says, you know what? Focus on all the outer workings before you focus on the heart. Like, God, I'm, I'm just really, I'm, I'm struggling so hard to not look at pornography. I'm struggling. I'm just trying to, God, I'm trying to stop doing this and doing that. Listen, if you would remove all that for a moment and just say, God, I want to know you. I want to spend time with you. All the issues that you deal with in your life, the Holy Spirit will begin to convict you on those things, and they'll begin to work themselves out. So the gospel, it forgives us. It makes us new. Ultimately, the gospel wants to get you moving, growing, and changing. It wants to make you brand new. So here's the question now. How do we progress? Let's look at point three. Number three, this is how we progress. This is so simple. It brings us into relationship. The gospel brings us into relationship with the Father. 1 John 5.20 puts it this way. And we know that the Son of God has come, and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. So listen, when salvation happens and sanctification begins to come in, you begin to know the true God. You begin to have a relationship with Jesus, and it says now we live in fellowship. Man, now there is a relationship between me and the Father. And because we live with fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, he is the only true God, and he is eternal life. See, because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of the gospel, now we can live in relationship with Jesus. It's not what we have to do to get there. It's now we, we can literally picture it this way. I can talk to God. I can know God. I can walk with God. John goes on to say it this way, that when we begin to become in relationship with him, we begin to know the Father's heart. Some of you are asking yourself questions like, why am I here? What is my purpose? What am I supposed to do with the rest of my life? Some of you guys, many of you are in here in your 20s just trying to figure out what's going on. What do I do next? Get to know Jesus and you'll find out. (laughs) You'll figure it out. And listen, some of us, I think we're asking the wrong questions sometimes. God, what is, what is your will for my life? I'll, you want, to, you want me to help you real quick? Your will, the, God's will for your life is to know his son. Because if you can do that, everything else will work out. Everything else will work out. So here's the deal. When I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus... I think it's hard sometimes for people to wrap their heads around it because they think we got to like sit down, cross our legs, stick our arms in circles and hum like, what do I do (laughs) to connect with God? You talk to him like you would your brother. You talk to him like you would your wife, your husband, your sister, your son, your daughter. Like begin to talk to him. 
You know what the gospel does? You can freely now talk to Jesus. This is what I love about the Psalms. The Psalms were, it was all these ways of communicating to God. We're so grateful. We're so thankful. And then there's some in there that's like, God, you've left me. I'm angry at you. Where are you? And this is the freedom that we have in the gospel. And religion says you can't, you can't voice that stuff because Christians don't do that. <laughs> but the gospel says, listen, you are free to be who you are. You can share your struggles, your hardships, your complaints, and even your joys and your successes. Let me give you another example. Change happens when you spend time with people, right? So it's why that Jesus, that he, he took the 12 disciples, and even three of them specifically, and he spent every second with them. We do this with our kids, right? It's why your children live with you for 18 years. Some of you are like, well, you don't know my son. He's been there for 25 and needs to get out. Come talk to me after service, all right? It's why our kids spend 18 years with us. Why? It's because we want to teach them about the world, right? And we want to teach them how to love. We want to teach them how to be. We want to teach them how to communicate. We want to educate them. We want to teach them about God. And it's why for 18 years, we pull them as close as we can to ourselves. Because what are we doing? We're making disciples with our kids. And we want them to know us. Because we know, like, man, when it goes bad... They're going to call mom and dad because we have that relationship. I can't tell you how many times when I went off to Bible college for two years, I would call my dad. I'm like, oh my, dad, what do I do? My dad used to call me every, <laughs> every single week. He'd be like, son, did you put oil in your car? No, dad, God, stop asking me if I put oil in my car. And then six months later, my engine, I was on the side of the road and my car was on fire. No joke. Um, but he knew me. He knew what he should be probing me and asking me. That's why as your children, you spend as much time with them as you can. It's why you go to the t-ball game and sit down for hours going, they suck, but I'm rooting for my son. <laughs> right? It's why you do that, because you love your children and you want to pull them close to you. I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge like gamer at all. Like, I don't really play video games, but my kids love Super Smash Brothers, the old Super Smash Brothers. So we'll sit down at night and play Super Smash Brothers. And Eli is like, he, he's seven years old and he kicks my tail. I get, fr- I'm competitive. I get mad. I'm like, no, we're going again, son. <laughs> we're going again. And I, 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 since I'm dad and I can do this right when I win, I turn the power button off. I'm like, all right, go to bed. <laughs> he's like, dad. <laughs> We pull them close to us because we love them. And listen, this is what Jesus is saying to us this morning. I want to pull you close to me. Man, you, you, you can't really know how to live unless you know me. Like those questions that you have, those concerns, those doubts about life, about marriage, about parenting. Come close to me. I'll teach you. I'll show you. Listen, this is why community is so important. This is why life groups and next step is so important. You need people to rub shoulders with. Because here's the truth. Some of us need to, and I'm saying this for myself, 
We need to drop the veil of pride and just realize, you know what, I don't know how to do everything on my own. And some of us are working so hard and so tirelessly when you could work a whole lot easier if you just had somebody come along and say, hey, let me show you how to do this. Let me show you how to do this. You ever like rummaged around your house looking for a hammer to put a nail in a door or something and you can't find one and you try using like the butt end of a screwdriver or something else? It's a whole lot harder, isn't it? That's how some of us look right now. That's what religion is. So let's, let's conclude it by this. Let's do the gospel versus religion, okay? There are two enemies of the gospel, sin and religion. Two enemies of the gospel, sin and religion. And let's look at what religion says and let's look at what the gospel says. Number one, religion says that if we obey, God will love us. If we obey, if we stay in the lines and we follow the rules, then God loves us. But the gospel says this, it's because God loved us first that we can obey. So, so let me put it to you this way. When you realize that God sent his one and only son, Christ, to die for us while we were yet still sinners, and you get that deep within your heart, there is a greater motivation to obey. You want to do what's right because God has loved you so much. It's like for my wife and I, a few months ago, we've shared this with you guys before, but um, somebody gave us a van. Like, just gave us a brand new, it wasn't like an old van, it wasn't like, hey, here's the thing I don't want anymore, you guys can, it's a brand new van. What do you say to something like that? There's no words. All you, all you do is you're so thankful and you want to do everything that you can to possibly serve these people that have just done this for you, right? There's just gratitude, there's just thankfulness, and this is how God wants us to operate. He wants us to obey him, not out of fear, but because we love him so much. And that's what religion does. It says, obey me, because you're fearful of me. You're fearful that I'm some tyrant in the sky that when you mess up, I want to throw down this gavel and bang you on the head with it. But God says, no, I I loved you first. I loved you so much. And our obedience begins to stem out of that. Religion says the world is filled with good and bad people. The gospel says the world is filled with bad people. And listen, who are either repentant or unrepentant. There are no good people. There are unrepentant people and then there are repentant people. Because listen, and let me prove it to you. If you're a parent in here, you'll understand this. Did you ever have to teach your two-year-old to bite the younger one? Did you ever have to do it? Did you ever have to say, I never had to bring Eli in. Eli, come see. Listen, when Isaac hits you in the leg, you come up and you hit him with the right. (laughs) I never had to teach him that. He just innately did that. All of us are bad. All of us have a sinful nature. But the gospel says there's either repentant There's unrepentant people. The goal of religion is to get from God such things as health, wealth, insight, power, and control. The goal of the gospel is not the gifts God gives, but rather God as the gift to us, given to us by grace. So religion says, hey, you sow $15 into my ministry and I'll give you a lucky feather. (laughs) It's It's just truth, right? 
Hey, you give this, and then you get this. God says, you know what? You don't give me anything. I sent my one and only son to die for you while you were still bad, and I give you everything. If you'll just believe in me and accept me and know me and come into community and relationship with me. We don't give to get. We give because he's given absolutely everything for us. We give because we're so thankful, we're so grateful that we were undeserving. It is why we give, not out of fear. Religion is about what I have to do. The gospel is about what Jesus has done. This next one is going to be hard for some of us. Religion sees hardship in life as punishment from God. Religion sees suffering as life as God is just punishing me. Here's what the gospel says. The gospel sees hardship in life as sanctifying affliction that reminds me of Jesus' sufferings and is used by God in love to make us more like Jesus. That's what the gospel says. I've allowed this circumstance in your life because I love you so much and I just want you to be more like me. Listen, I'm not trying to explain suffering because there's some things that some of us go through that honestly they're unexplainable. But I do know this. Jesus understands what you're going through. He understands suffering. He understands betrayal. He understands temptation. Listen, it's the whole reason that God came in human flesh so that he could relate with us, so that he could know exactly what you're going through. It's one of the reasons that he went out into the desert for 40 days and was tempted by Satan, so that he could know what it was like without eating for 40 days. Like some of you eat for, you don't, my, my wife calls it hangry. You know how you get, like we go on a date and we're going to the restaurant and when she was pregnant and she's like, listen, if you don't pull into that McDonald's and get me a fry, like this date is going to be over. <laughs> like it's not going to go good. But Jesus went into the desert because he, under, he wanted to, to, to relate with us. He wanted to say, look, I understand what you're going through. Religion is about me. The gospel is about Jesus. Let me wrap it up with this. This is the last thing I'm going to say, and we're going to pray. Religion ends in either pride because I think I'm better than other people or despair because I continually fall short of God's commandments. So religion ends in this pride or it ends in despair. I'll never be good enough. But here's what the gospel does. The gospel ends in humble and confident joy because of the power of Jesus at work in me, through me, and sometimes in spite of me. So listen, today Jesus wants to know you. In about two minutes, I'm going to have Mike come out, and he's just going to lead you in a prayer. And let me, let me explain that prayer for you real quick, because this is, in a nutshell, this is everything that I just talked about today. Jesus suffered, died on the cross, rose from the grave three days later so that when you receive him, you are made new and he wants to know you and he wants to change the landscape of your life. That's the gospel. And today I'm here to say, listen, let's be careful that we're not buying into religious regimens that say you have to do to get. You have to do to get. You have to work to earn Listen, when you understand that God graciously came in and saved you, I promise you, works will follow. I promise you. 
You're going to do things. You're going to love people. You're going to tell your neighbor about Jesus. You're going to go out of your way to do works. But you realize it's not what you're doing, the good deeds that you're doing that saves you. You're doing good works and you're doing good deeds because you've been saved. It's a completely different flip. And so if you, get, if you leave here with anything today, realize this. It's not about what you do to get. It's what's already been done. And God wants to give you a free gift this morning. Salvation. He wants to know you. He wants to be in relationship with you. So I want to encourage you to do two things before Mike comes out here. If you're in here this morning and you're saying, listen, I want to know Jesus. One, I want you to pray this prayer with him this morning. And two, I want you to sign up for Next Step. If you go to our Facebook page, Our Savior Church, Crowley, like the page, go on, you're going to see an event that says Step 1. Join the event. And if you click Join the Event, then we know you're coming. That's literally all you have to do. And let me tell you why. Because all throughout Next Step, for four weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to walk you through in detail everything that I just talked about. Look, this is how you can know God. This is how you can, this is how you can connect with Jesus and others. This is how you can grow in your relationship with Jesus. Now that you know all this, this is how you can serve the community and the people around you. And now that you're serving, this is how you can go and make disciples and win your family to know Jesus. This is how you can do all that. We just want to help you with that. Father, we love these people. We thank you for what you're doing this morning. God, I pray that everything that was said would resonate with us and there would be so much more than just a sermon. In Jesus' name.